This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He didn't have to do that. He could have made the Garden of Eden self-keeping, self-preserving, but he didn't. He made the Garden of Eden that needed to be dressed, it needed to be gardened, and it needed to be kept, protected. And so, as God created man, God took man and immediately put him to work. God put man into God's garden, God's garden that needed to be worked on, and then God commanded man to work on it. And as soon as you and I were saved, As soon as you and I were recreated in Christ, God said to us, verse 28, verse 28, son, go work today in my vineyard. And God calls each one of us as his son to go work today in his work. I remember when Roy Dombo, who was a superintendent for Melhorn Construction and Gordon Papineau who worked for University Sheet Metal, when they both retired from construction work and and how after that they were both down here at this place at the chapel, fixing every little thing. You know, it wasn't Clint at that time, it was Roy and Gordon. Every little thing they needed fixing, painting, cleaning, they were both determined to use their retirement years not to sit around and be idle. And then Roy Dombo, he also joined technical assistance program TAP where he would go at nights to a garage and refurbish old phone systems and then he traveled to different places to install them, like to the Philippines, the mountain region of the Ifigal people in the Philippines where he installed the phone system and built buildings. Just like the hymn, just like the hymn says, in the harvest field there is work to do, for the grain is ripe and the reapers few. And the master's voice bids the workers true. Heed the call that he gives today, labor on, labor on. Keep the bright reward in view, for the master has said, He will strengthen, renew, labor on till the close of day. 
There's so much work to do. We hear every Sunday, we hear about Child Evangelism Fellowship, CEF. They need workers that, that are willing to teach children the Bible. The Del Mar Fair's coming up. There's gonna be a Bible castle at the Del Mar Fair. There's a hundred and some opening slots that have to be filled. The Museum of Creation and Earth History in Santee needs volunteers. So much work to be done. And Jesus said that our lives, our lifetime is like the daytime. And nighttime is like when we die. And he said that we have to work in the daytime while we have the opportunity. It's all about the opportunity when he said in John 9, 4, John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. What he was saying there is that he was pressured. He was pressed. He was pressed by the fact that death was coming and death was coming. And the point for him about death was that that was the time when it was impossible to do any more work on earth. And so he was pressed, and we should be pressed too. Pressed with the, the night cometh when no man can work. And right now, God says to us, verse 28, verse 28, son, go work today in my vineyard. And the fact that we can work in God's work is an opportunity. It's like a stewardship, like a stewardship, because the day is coming when our health will fail us and we won't be able to do what we can do now. When the day is coming when our life would fail us. We just heard about the death of... Um, Russ Thorson, seems like yesterday when Russ Thorson and I sat down with the hymnal and Russ said, you're gonna be the new song leader and I'm gonna go through all of these hymns page by page and identify the ones that you should be leading, which are well known and the ones that you are a little risky on and he put the thing F, fairly known, and the ones that you should definitely stay away from and he put the symbol U, unknown, on them. That was Russ, Russ and I were real close. We went to Saturday Bible study together and did so many things here at the chapel, and now he's gone. And that means that the opportunity, his stewardship has stopped. In either case, whether it's a failed health or death, God will eventually say to us, your opportunity has passed. He will say to us, Luke 16.2, Luke 16.2, thou mayest be no longer steward. No longer. You were, but you're not anymore. That's just reality. You know, I think about Scantibodies Laboratory. I started Scantibodies when I was 25 years old. If I waited 25 till I was 50 years old when I got my first coronary stent, no way I would start Scantibodies Laboratory. There was that window of opportunity. Now, because this is the reality that our life is short, God says to us, verse 28, verse 28, go, son, go work today in my vineyard. The call is not to go tomorrow and work in God's work because tomorrow never comes and tomorrow may be too late. This is the same with salvation, the same with salvation. God says today is the day to come to Christ. For 2 Corinthians 6.2, 2 Corinthians 6.2, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, not later, today, not tomorrow. And God reminds us, he reminds us of exactly whose work this is that we are to work in. In verse 28, verse 28, son, go work today in my vineyard, not in the vineyard, but my vineyard. And the congregation, the church that we are called to work in is not our church. It's Christ's church. 
as you said in, in Matthew 16, 18, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, not the church, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And it's his church that he bought, he purchased. Acts 20, 28, Acts 20, 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now, the father comes to the first son and we have the response of the first son in verse 29. And his response is very simply three words. I will not, he says. And with that statement, we can hear all the resentment, all the resistance that goes along with I will not. All the how dare you command me. I'm no longer a little kid that you can just boss around and do the work to be done. I've had enough. And today is my day of independence. And I'm giving you my declaration of independence, which are simply three words. You might want to write it down. I will not. And off he stormed out from his father's presence. And with that display of arrogant, bold self-will, the father's head must have been spinning. You can just imagine. And the father's heart must have been broken. It was. And with that display of that angry self-will, we can hear the resentful spirit of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, when Moses told him, God's telling you to let the Jewish people go. And in Exodus 5.2, Exodus 5.2, Pharaoh responds, and Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. That was Pharaoh, I will not. So first, Pharaoh challenged Moses with a, who's the Lord? And then, Pharaoh told Moses, I know not the Lord. Reminds me of when Barry Minkow made all his money on that fraudulent carpet cleaning business and he had a believing mother. His believing mother came into his office there, he made a lot of money, and came to Barry and he had a Ferrari. Came to Barry and said to Barry, you need God. And Barry said to his mother, God, how much does he cost? I'll buy him also. And that was Pharaoh's spirit. That's the spirit that's in all of us. And the Bible calls that spirit in us the natural man. 1 Corinthians 2.14, 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. The Greek word there for natural in natural man in that verse means being sensitive to what animals are sensitive to. It means animal-like. Animals do not think about God. Animals just do what their senses drive them to do, and that's what the Bible calls the natural man. The Bible also calls this problem in us the carnal mind, the carnal mind, which the Bible says is at war with God. It's an enemy of God, stands up to God. Romans 8, 7, Romans 8, 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And this was what the first son displayed when he said, I will not. He didn't say, I will not, sir. The other one called him sir. But he, and he didn't say, I will not, father. He just said, I will not with that defiant, leave me alone and stop trying to control my life. And what is beautiful about what happened here is the response of the father. All eyes on the father. We tend to put our eyes on the son. No, eyes on the father. Because the father didn't say, 
you don't talk to me that way. I'm going to belt you with the back of my hand. He didn't do that. The father patiently just left him alone, went on to the second son. The father was what the Bible calls long-suffering, long-suffering. The father suffered a long time with his first son. The father gave that son time to come to the next stage in, in his life, which is described as the but afterward, but afterward. If the father had jumped in with anger, there could be no afterward, no after in the afterward, but the father just left him alone. And that's the beauty of the father of the prodigal son. The father of the prodigal son was the same way. When the prodigal son came to him in Luke 15, 11, Luke 15, 11, and said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto him his living. The father in Luke 15 also had two sons, and just like this father in Matthew 21 had two sons. And the first son in Luke 15 came to his father, and you know what he said? In essence, he says, I don't wanna wait till you die. Give me the inheritance now. There are big cities out there with gorgeous women and I'm full of passion for them, and all I need is your money to rent them. And so give it to me and stop robbing me of real pleasure and fun in life. And the same thing in that history is amazing about the father in Luke 15. He didn't say to us then, I'm not giving you a dime to go out there and ruin your life with those prostitutes. That father gave him the money that he knew was gonna be used on prostitutes, and with that money, we can see the father yearning for the day but afterward day when his son will return as a new man. And that prodigal son in Luke 15, he did hit rock bottom. And those gorgeous women for hire took all of his money and he was broke and he was hungry and he found himself hungry in a pig pen, longing not for those gorgeous women this time, but just for the slop, if he could just eat the slop that he was feeding to those pigs. And the Bible says that he reached his, Matthew 21, 39, but afterwards point in Luke 15, 17. Luke 15, 17. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to despair and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. See, that prodigal son in Luke 15, he came to his but afterwards point after the father gave him what he wanted, gave him the money that he used on the harlots and had, and after he had his fill of the stench of his own life, the Bible says in Luke 15, 17, he came to himself. It's like he woke up to himself. It's like he arrived back in himself. You know, it's a wonderful thing in life to finally arrive at the Luke 15, 17, came to himself, the point in life. It's a beautiful thing in life to come to Matthew 21, 29, but afterwards, but afterwards, that stop in life. You know, the Apostle Paul, he reached those points. He reached that Luke 15, 21, came to him, Luke 15, 17, came to himself and the Matthew 21, 29, afterwards, after a life of persecuting Christians, when Paul came to Christ and looking back on it all, he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.16, 1 Timothy 1.16, howbeit for this cause obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should afterwards believe on him to life everlasting. 
See, Paul said that God tolerated Paul to go on killing God's people or persecuting God's people so that Paul could reach his Matthew 21, 29, but afterward point in his life and come to himself. And Paul said that it was all about God's long suffering. And that's what God does. He waits, he tolerates, he suffers for a long time. People to rebel to him and to throw into his face the Matthew 21, 29, I will not. Because God loves to see people change. He loves to see people go on to the Matthew 21, 29, but afterwards he repented and went. God just waits for people to change their mind. Because for God, he really does believe better late than never. Now the second son, in verse 30, it says, and he came to the second and said, likewise, and he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Now the father comes to the second son with the same command. The second son gives a totally different answer of respect. In verse 30, he says, you know, I go, sir, and went not. He sounds really good. He says, I go, sir. He didn't say, I will go. He said, I'm going immediately. I'm in the process of going. But he doesn't go. He doesn't go at all. That's like people today, so religious, so religious. Oh, they go to their house of worship. Oh, they keep all the rituals and the sacraments and the customs of their religion. They even keep the Sabbath. They pray. They look like they're coming to God, but they have not responded to the sin that God has shined a light on in their hearts. They've not responded to God's call for them to come to Christ, be saved from their sins, but they may even may say that they've come to Christ, but they haven't. And God said about this second type of son, Isaiah 29, 13, Isaiah 29, 13, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips they do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. God said that they sound so good, but their heart is so far from God, they follow a religion of man, not of God. They do not follow the written word of God. They follow the oral word of man. For example, the Talmud instead of the Bible. And God describes the Talmud in Isaiah 29, 13 as the precept of men. And the bottom line for the second son was simply verse 30. In verse 30, he went not, went not. At the first, both the sons really had an aggression against the father. Both of them were aggressive against the father. The first son had an active aggression against his father when he said in verse 29, I will not. The second son had a passive aggression against his father when he said in verse 30, I go, sir, and went not. But the difference was with the active aggressive son, there was a verse 29, but afterward he repented and went. But with the second son, there was no verse 29, afterward he repented and went. You know, I'd rather see a sinner break out with an angry response and hatred against God, with an act of aggression against God, than to see a sinner who is religious and has a passive aggression against God without this angry outburst. Because the first son who had that outward act of aggression against his father, he repented, he repented. He had to look at himself and he said, I hate that, what am I? Because it's all about repentance. And now the Lord asked the chief priests and the elders, think about it. 
and come to me with your conclusion. Verse 31, verse 31. Whether of them twain did the will of his father. Which one obeyed the father is what he was saying. And so he asked them, he's asking them, compare the two sons. Look at the differences and tell me which one did the, the will of the father. And they answered it. Verse 31, they answered in verse 21, they say unto him, the first. With that answer, they condemn themselves. Because with that answer, their judgment was, you said yourself that the first son did the will of the father. And what made the first son do the will of the father? One word, repent. Jesus said who the first son was in this history. In verse 31, verse 31, Jesus saith unto him, verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. The gross, outer, actively aggressive against God sinners as the corrupt tax collectors and the prostitutes who each came to the point in their lives of verse 29, verse 29, but afterwards he repented and went. And then the Lord Jesus said unto them in verse 32, verse 32, John, coming back to John the Baptist. John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe. So with that statement, Christ brought it all back, full circle to where this whole thing started in verses 25 through 29 to John the Baptist. And that was the whole point of the life and the ministry of John the Baptist. He had a baptism unto repentance. People came to him and lined up from all over Israel, crying and confessing their sins while standing in line to be baptized by John the Baptist. For everybody to hear, they didn't care. They were so filled with the, I'm gonna change today. I'm repenting now. They were all, that when it came to John the Baptist, had the verse 29, verse 29 point in their lives. Afterward, he repented and went. And so Christ told these chief priests and these elders, you can't go to heaven unless you have that repentance. You cannot go to heaven unless you have the three words, unless you, because you have the three words. The reason you can't go to heaven, you have three words that you've said already about John the Baptist, and that's blocking your entrance to heaven. And those three words are in verse 27. Verse 27, we cannot tell. We cannot tell. We cannot tell. We cannot tell if John the Baptist was true from God when he said, repent and be baptized. We can't tell, and they could not tell if they could believe John the Baptist and come to their own personal point, their own personal point of verse 29, but afterward he repented and went. And unless a person comes to that John the Baptist point, of verse 29, afterward he repented and went, no way he can see the kingdom of God, much less enter into it. Unless a person comes to stop his sin and repent and turn to God, he's lost. Unless a person comes to God, to himself, and says, stop it, unless he does that, there's no getting into heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for taking the time Lord, to explain so graphically, so clearly through this history, Lord, the essence of entering or being barred from heaven. And Lord, we also do pray that in the short time of our lives, however many days we have left, that we wouldn't waste it, we wouldn't squander it. We'd be also living under the pressure of the night comes when no man could work. And we would say and mean 
I'd go, sir, and we would go. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.